Ah, how are you this morning? You doing good? You're not worn out? It's Christmas season. Um, and we're doing the case for Christmas. And uh, the last couple weeks, it's my privilege to talk about the third uh, message in this series. If you didn't get your a case for Christmas book, there's still a number of them out there at the, at the information desk. So when you go get your bags of oranges, you can get a case for Christmas book. And it's free, even as the oranges are. Please take the oranges. I don't want them around here on Monday. Uh, um, I got a little bit of echo in here. Thanks. We started this off a, a couple weeks ago. Pastor Dave Moore talked about the eyewitness evidence of uh, the Christ's birth and, and all that Christ did, what the witnesses saw and what they did. And then uh, last week, uh, Pastor Kurt talked about the evidence that scientific or archaeology, uh, the archaeology of, <laughs> the evidence of archaeology in the background there. And mine today, I'm going to talk to you about the profile evidence. And, uh, and so what's the profile evidence? Okay, if you're, uh, there's been a, a crime and they are looking for the, the, this person who committed the crime, they'll talk to witnesses, uh, they'll start to build a profile before they can get the case. Uh, does, does this fit this and this and what does this fit? And a lot of times, you know what they'll do? They'll get a sketch artist and they'll, they'll tell the witnesses, now tell me what he looks like. And so they start sketching and, and, and they come up uh, with a picture so that they can identify, does this look like the guy who did it? Uh, okay, real, you can put that sketch up. And uh, is this the guy who did it? <laughs> um, who does that look like? Doesn't, I don't think it looks like me, but that was done... <laughs> That was done in 1980. They need to do a little bit of aging, I guess, and color the beard a little different color. But the sketch artist comes up with, hey, this, yes, is like that. Okay, that's the profile. Please take that picture down so we don't... <laughs> Did the babe in the manger grow up and live a life that fits the profile of God? That's the question. Well, it's a tricky question because God, what is his profile? God is omnipresent. In other words, he exists everywhere in the universe all the time. Hmm, that's pretty impossible, isn't it? And God is omniscient, which means he knows everything that can be known throughout eternity. Wow. And God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. And he's also loving. He's holy, he's righteous, he's wise, and he's just. How do you draw that picture? Now, I said this is tricky because something happened back 2,000 years ago when God decided that he would come to earth which means he had to lay aside all of that the deity side of it off to one side and take on a human side. He had to take one of these earth suits on and be born as a baby, which meant he was now 
He couldn't be everywhere at the same time because he was restricted to time and space and gravity and a body and taking on this body. If he had hung on to the grasp of all the other things, then he would not have become a human. But to become a human, he had to lay that aside. And yet, as we go through, we're going to see that even as he lived, there was a glimmer of his deity every now and again. But you know, we're going to go over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. And Paul's writing, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, here's his mindset. Here's, here's, as he came and was born and became a human being, taking on this earth suit here, uh, it says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He laid it aside. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself and he said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to start out in the womb of a young woman and I'm going to grow and I'm going to be born and I'm going to live and I'm going to live a life like every other human that's on land on this earth except he wasn't born with any sin you and I were born with sin we, we inherited that from Adam and Eve's sin and it came down through even as the, you inherited the different things from your parents they from their parents sin was born in us he was born a babe with no sin uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 it says for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich all of the universe was his yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Wow, what a sacrifice. He made himself nothing and came and took on this human flesh. And back to uh, Philippians chapter uh, 2, it says, by taking the very nature of a servant, he, he made himself nothing and he just became a servant. He just became a, a, a one who was willing to serve. And in Matthew 20, verse 28, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here he came. He laid aside his, his, his deity side and he came down and he took on this body. In, uh, back in Philippians, he said he was being made in human likeness. Now, Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. We see in John 1, 1, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word was God. He always existed. But he came and he took on flesh so that he could live a life without sin, so that he could pay for you, and he was made poor so that you could become rich. And we are so rich because of all that he did, and because he did not sin, and because he lived that life, we have become very rich. Taking on the very nature of a, of a servant and being made in human likeness, 
John 1.14, I like this. So the word, that was Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. One of the profiles, love. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. He took on this flesh. But as he took on this flesh and became human, he was still God. He was still all-powerful. But he laid it aside. And he said, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this way. And, uh, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself. How humbling must it be? Now, see, we get this idea that we're really something. You're really something, aren't you? Ooh. You know, I'm this and I'm that. This eternal God this came and said, I'm going to, hey, I'm going to come as a babe in a manger. And he humbled himself. And he took on all of this flesh. Um, I like Martin Luther's song, Away in a Manger, but I don't agree with it totally. <laughs> Because he became a babe. In Martin Luther's song, he says, uh, the babe, and uh, no crying he made. No, I think he cried. Now, there's a difference, you know. A baby can cry because they're hungry, right? Right. <laughs> a baby can cry because they need to be changed. Did Jesus need to be changed? Yep. Now, I don't think he had any hissy fits, Right? You who've had children, you know the difference between when they're crying for one thing or when they're crying when they're just mad. <laughs> they're hungry or they need to be changed. Or that. I think Jesus probably cried. Yeah. But I don't think he ever had a hissy fit. Uh, started screaming because he wanted what he wanted, which sometimes children do. But he took on, he took on this, this, this body. Now, we have a, we have a bit of a problem because we, we've been, especially if you grew up in Sunday school and you saw all these nice pictures of Jesus, you know, this beautiful uh, face and long hair and nice beard, you know. Uh, yeah. But there's this interesting. In Hebrews, it tells us that he was affected by this body just the way we are. Look what it says in Hebrews 4.15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So this uh, picture that you've had maybe of Jesus coming and being a superman and he just, he just whipped through and he just, uh, I know there's uh, a mythology where he catches a little bird or finds a little bird that is uh, weak or broken wing and he heals it and does all of these things. And go, no, actually he just took on this body and he got all the rest of the stuff that comes with the body. He felt pain. You know, I think he had headaches. Probably got a stomach ache. We lived in Central America. I got stomach aches so often that it just became normal. One day I said to my friend Bill, I said, you know, my stomach aches right down to my knees. He said, that's not normal. I said, oh, really? Uh, I think Jesus had stomach aches. He, 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 he experienced all of the things of hunger. After he fasted, he was hungry. 
he got tired. He took on the physical of this body. And do you think he can relate to you and some of your pain and some of your problems, some of your struggles? Yes, that's what the scripture tells me. And in spite of those pictures you maybe you saw in Sunday school or that, he maybe wasn't even very good looking. If you go over to Isaiah, Isaiah said there wasn't anything in him. There, he didn't, it wasn't just that he was, there's this super good looking guy. And there wasn't anything that would really draw us to him. But he was a, one who was commonly, I'm feeling the pain and the distress and he suffered those things. Why? Because he took on this and he can empathize with you because he took on this body. And yet, even in this body, there were glimpses of his deity. The high priest got so upset when uh, they, they couldn't stand it that he said, he called God his father. It just made them angry and he, he admitted who he was. And just a couple little scenes. Jesus, in, in Matthew 9, we won't go there, but Jesus, uh, they brought him a paralyzed person lying on a mat, this paralyzed guy. And Jesus saw their faith. He said to the man, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. He still had the deity. He still forgave sins. Another scene and you probably know this scene of um, Peter and the disciples. They were in trouble. They were far away from land out in the boat. And there was a big strong wind. And they were fighting heavy waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes walking across the water. And the disciples saw him walking on the water. They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, Don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I'm here, is what our Bibles read. But if you go back to the Greek, he says, the I am is here. <laughs> he says, the I am is here. Now, if you don't understand what that is, if you go back to Exodus, when Moses was uh, struggling and God told him to go back to Egypt and to, to tell the Pharaoh that he was set his people free, and he says, how am I going to tell What am I going to tell him? And God says, tell him my name. I am who I am. I am. Say, I am sent you. I used to struggle with that. My dad was a pastor, and I'd sit in here. I'd say, but, you know, I am, that doesn't, you know, you've got to add something on the end. I'm hungry. I'm good looking. I'm fat. I'm, 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 what am I? Until I discovered the great I am is everything. The great I am is the omnipotent one. He is the all-powerful one. He is the one who knows everything and does everything. He is I am all you need. What are you worried about? The great I am is here. The great, the one who can supply all you need. You've been struggling with something? Turn it over, the big I, the great I am. He, <laughs> Interesting. They're scared to death out in the water there. They're going to drown. Jesus comes along and says, I am here. I am the great I am. He steps into the boat. Everything gets calm. I am master of the waves. I am master of problems. I am master of everything that you're 
Oh, what an I am. What an what a incredible glimpse of his deity. Right down to when the high priest have taken him on that night that they grabbed him and took him and they, they started accusing him. And over in Mark we can read uh, when they said, are you the Messiah, the Son of God? Jesus said, I am. In other words, and, but actually he said, I am the I am. It made them furious because he was declaring that he was deity. He was God. And he was. So, when we read about him humbling himself, he humbled himself and took on this fleshly body. Christmas is about humbling. I wanted to share couple stories about the humbling aspect of Christmas. First of all, it was a humbling aspect. He humbled himself and laid aside the deity and he came and was born as a human being. What a, that's the most incredible humbling that you can imagine. But then we have the story of Mary. Mary humbled herself. You say, how was that again? Well, here's this young girl. And all of a sudden, an angel shows up. Now, I don't think he had wings. If you go through the Bible, you'll find out most angels didn't have wings. Seraphims did. Uh, but uh, uh, most of them just showed up like men. So this angel, and somehow she knew it was an angel, shows up and tells her that she's going to have a baby. And right away, she goes, how can that be? I've never been with a man. And he says, don't worry about it. It's all going to happen like this and this and this and this. Okay, in her mind, she must be thinking, and I'm going to get pregnant without a man? What's my mother going to say? What, 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 what are the neighbors going to say? It was interesting because after the angel shared that with her, you know what she said? She humbled herself and she said, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. May your word come to be fulfilled. I'm here. I hear what you're saying. I am willing. I'm humbling myself. And, and Now, it's interesting because there are those who have elevated Mary to become the mother of God. They have made her to be God. And actually, it was the opposite way. She humbled herself. Why? Well, just imagine. That same angel had said, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. So as soon as she finishes with this angel, she decides to go and visit Elizabeth. She goes off on a, on a long journey to her cousin's house, and she stays for three months. And then she comes back, and she tells Joseph that she's pregnant. Oh, here's Joseph thinking, she's been gone three months. Who's she been with? Now she's pregnant. And she has to share all that. Talk about a humbling experience. But, it, but I'm pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. And what about the neighbors? What about all the family? Ah, she's been gone for three months and comes back pregnant. I wonder where she was at. Or I wonder what happened before she left. 
All of these things were things that caused Mary to live a very humble life. She wasn't the exalted one. She was one who said, I'll do what you want me to do. What do you want, God? What do you want? I will do what you want me to do. And she humbled herself. I think she probably lived her whole life until his resurrection under that cloud of who she was. She had been unfaithful or she had been uh, a, a woman who had gone off and had an affair someplace or whatever it was. There's a little a scene in when Jesus does his first miracle. You remember they went to a, a marriage uh, and they're at this wedding feast and they ran out of wine and Mary comes to him and says to, to, to Jesus, uh, they run out of wine and he says, what do I have to do with you, lady? <laughs> he talked back to his mama. It sounds like that. But actually, if you read between the lines, I think Mary was looking at him and saying, all the family are here at this wedding. If you do a miracle... They'll all know who you are. And then I'll be vindicated. Because she had humbled herself and she'd suffered. She'd suffered in where she lived. She'd suffered this thing that she'd had this illegitimate child. And if he would just explain that he was the son of God. And what did he say? He said, this is not my time. And then he did the miracle. And you know what? Nobody even noticed it was a miracle. Because it wasn't his time. He changed the water into wine. You know, you and I, when we think about Mary, we know the whole story. But if you'd been living there at that time and this young girl's pregnant, and we would have thought the same thing as the neighbors. She humbled herself. And then there's Joseph. He humbled himself. Why? Well, he was engaged. He was espoused to Mary. He was going to marry her. Now, I want to explain. Espousal was more than being engaged. I almost said engaged, but espousal was more than being engaged. Well, we can get engaged. Uh, 48 years ago this month, I asked Donna Elmwood if she would marry me. And she said, yes, thank the Lord. We'd never even talked about marriage. We'd only been dating for about a month. <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> We'd been friends for a couple years. Ah. And so Donna goes and tells her grandmother. Now, her grandmother was a lovely lady who loved the Lord and had been praying for Donna because she was afraid she wasn't going to get a husband. Uh, in Spanish, they say uh, someone who got left by the train or missed their train. Uh, and she was they were quite concerned because Donna was already 22 and she wasn't, yeah. And so she goes and tells her grandma, she's engaged. And you know what her grandma says? Well, you can still change your mind. <laughs> we used to get anniversary cards, and she would write to Donna, and she'd forget the you in my name, and she'd Donna and dog. <laughs> she did like me. I, I, we did get along real well. <laughs> I think she just forgot the you. <laughs> but... Our engagements, oh, yeah, okay, no. At the altar, she runs off, or she doesn't show up, or he runs off, or what, you know. The espousal was something much, much, much more serious. In fact, the scripture says that when Joseph found out, he was very noble. 
And he determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. And other versions say he decided to divorce her. It was even a divorce that had to come about because they had been spoused. When he gets, here she comes back from three months away and tells him, I'm pregnant of the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah? Who was she with? What was going on? And Joseph, he's trying to figure it out. Laura Blackman was reading this to us in, in staff meeting. In, 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 the, in the message it says, while he was trying to figure a way out. <laughs> Interesting. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. And then the neat one, in verse 24 here, says, Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary. He humbled himself. Because not only did she have all this stigma, but him marrying her already pregnant, caused him to take it on. But he humbled himself. And he said, is this what you want, God? He heard what the Lord wanted and he did it. Do you hear God? Does he speak into your heart and life? In January, we're going to have hearing God. We're going to talk about hearing God here, right, Pastor Steve? We're going to be talking about how do you hear? And what do you do when you hear? Joseph heard, saw this vision, saw this dream, and said, okay, God, if that's what you want, I'll do it. And he humbled himself, and he married her. Even though everyone was thinking, I'm not sure about that couple. They even pointed on, uh, years later, they pointed at Jesus and said, we knew where you came from, yeah. Yeah. Joseph humbled himself. He walked in that. The interesting thing about Joseph, too, was in the, in the whole Christmas story, he had a dream that he was to marry her. A year or so later, he had a dream it was to flee. Then he's back in Egypt, and he has another dream that's come back. Four times, Joseph had dreams. He heard God. God spoke to him in dreams, and he cared for Jesus and Mary being guided by the Holy Spirit. Is your life guided by the Holy Spirit? Do you humble yourself and say, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? Did, he, did Jesus match the profile? He sure did. He was loving. He was holy. He was righteous. He was wise and he was just. Even though he laid aside some of the aspects, he was the Son of God. This Christmas, are you willing to humble yourself? I don't know why, but all week long I've had one word come to me. And I don't know who it's for, or maybe it's for a number of people. And this word has just been going over and over and over again in my mind. It's been, the word is stubborn. Stubborn. 
Are you willing to humble yourself or are you being stubborn about whatever it is? Are you stubbornly demanding your own way about Christmas or about something about, I, it wasn't my fault? It's, I don't know what that's about, but as I began to read about the Christmas story and think of it in the humbling way, how God himself humbled himself to come to this earth. And I think we get so stubborn over such silly things. It's time to yield. It's time to say, hey, I want you to take over. I want you to be in my life. I want you to be the center of my life, whatever you want, even if it's hard, even if it's something I don't understand. I want to give up. I don't want to be stubborn. I don't want to be hanging on to that. I want to give up. I want you to take over. And the end result will be fantastic. Let's read the last part of Philippians. Philippians, and we're going to go on from verse 8. And he, being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself. And by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, and that was the worst kind of death, that was the, worst, that was the death of the worst criminals, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That's what we've been singing about, his name this morning. Have you noticed everything they've been singing about, we've been singing about is about the name. And he gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, because he humbled himself, because he was willing to come and put on this earth suit with all of its deficiencies and all of its pain and all of the agony. Emotions. Do you realize he took on our human emotions when he did that? Not just physical. He took on our human emotions. He humbled himself to doing that. A God who is all-powerful and all-incredible took on our emotions. He took on all of that. And he went right to death, death on the cross, paying for your sins and mine. We couldn't because we were sinners. There was no, there was no person who was totally righteous, but he was. You know, it's one thing to get, uh, to get stuck in some place that you can't get out of. But it's another thing if you have a way out, you can flee. When Jesus took on this earthly, he submitted to the earthly things. But at one moment, he could have called. There's a little, there's a little picture of in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers come and they come to capture him, Peter pulls out his sword and Jesus tells him, whoa, just a minute, don't you realize that in one second, I could call out for 10,000 angels and they'd be here to take care of us and get us out of this. He had that ability at his fingertips and he never chose it. Why? Because he loved you too much. And that's why he is exalted because he didn't take the easy way out. He didn't skip out and, and say, yeah, I, I can't take anymore. 
I personally even believe in the garden when he was crying out, let this cup pass from me. He wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking about crucifixion. He was talking about an attack the enemy was making on him right there. And the cup passed and he was able to go and be crucified because that's what he came for. But I tell you this, he is now exalted to the highest place and God gave him a name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Would you bow your heads this morning?